everybody, welcome back to the Carol Connection. I am your host, Jared Carroll, here to bring you guys another great episode. I did want to take a chance to shout out last week's episode, episode 62 with Devin Slaughter. He's a marketing major as well as a promoter. Great business. You can check him out. I tagged him in all my Instagram posts. You can check it out at thecarolconnection.simplecast.com. Also available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. I do want to take a chance to say, apologize that I haven't posted any podcast in the last two weeks personally i've been going through some stuff so like i chose to take some time off reflect been working with my therapist too so like i say guys mental health is so fucking important and it's so good to take some time off and reflect on things and appropriately see where you are and see where you need to get better and take the actions that you need to get better so i always try to preach that to you guys so if i'm saying it i also got to do it too so just wanted to say that but I want to bring in my guest for today, Zach DeBlois. How's it going? Uh, my name is Zach DeBlois. I'm 23. I'm currently in school as a psych major and a special education major at Bridgewater State University. And I'm just chugging along, trying to do what I can. I, uh, I currently just got a new job. I, uh, I'm doing ABA therapy. And uh, it's a definitely a unique experience coming from an education side to more of a programming and conditioning side of things. So uh, it's just a really good experience right now, and I really enjoy what I'm doing there. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. I know we had to be flexible with the last couple of weeks about scheduling and this stuff, and I really do appreciate you coming this week and getting this done because I'm getting my second shot this week, so... I wanted to I was gonna postpone any episodes, but I'm glad we could do this today and get this going. So Absolutely. let's dive into like I say, uh, most episodes we talk about upbringing, kind of like what you were going through as a child. So talk about your upbringing. Kind of were you brought up in Seekonk? Yeah, I've uh, I've lived in Seekonk my whole life. Um, my parents grew up around here. My dad's from Rehoboth, so right next door. My mom's from Lincoln, but she's always been around the area. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm an only child, so it was kind of interesting growing up. Uh, in a way, I always kind of got what I wanted, but my parents made a really good point to just kind of say, you know, it wouldn't be like that if you had siblings. And the reason why I'm an only child is uh, my mom got very sick when she had me, and as just a health and safety precaution, they opted to not have any kids after me. I know my mom always wanted to have more kids, but she loves me with enough love for 10, I guess. So, uh, yeah, no, it's a I really like Seekonk. Um, you know, went through the school system. I found it was a pretty decent school system. And as someone who's going into, hopefully, school systems in the future, I want to model some of the stuff I saw definitely at Seekonk that they did right. Yeah, I definitely think Seekonk did very well with the way they, or they do very well with the way they have their programs, especially special needs. Like, my brother is autistic, and watching the way they handled him and they handled other uh, students that were special needs and gave them everything they needed to succeed. Like my brother graduated, has a great job going forward. Like he's an active member of society. And like, obviously I know that's not the case for every uh, special need um, student going forward, but the fact that he was able to get the appropriate attention and like care that he needed was everything. And it's crazy to see the growth that he's had since like going through the school systems. Cause it was 
very not to say dark but things look very scary because like when you when my parents both had they have an older brother and a younger brother and we all went through the school systems um my older brother didn't go through seekonk but watching us play we played all the sports and everything my brother just my youngest brother wasn't really into that stuff so they worried about him and they worried about like obviously the fear of them making friends in school because i mean think about when we were in school like some kids are ruthless like and it's it's sad and i obviously don't know the current climate nowadays but i mean i just know when we were growing up like especially as social media was becoming a thing like Mm -hmm. i can only imagine the torture that some of these kids go through today like dealing with the constant pressures of other students and society itself breathing down your neck that you have to be this or that and Mm -hmm. especially a special needs student who might who may struggle socially so I definitely give you a lot of credit for stepping into this field because it's definitely needed, especially as a male. I don't think there's enough men stepping into this field, especially anything with like therapy or mental health or especially work with special needs students, like major props, man, like major props. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, speaking of being a male in this special ed uh, field, one of my professors one time, I, I had a nice conversation with him. He's a fantastic guy. And I was just worried. I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to do more this or that. And he was just like, Zach, stop for a second. You're a guy in this field. You're like a unicorn because you don't come around too often. And when they find you, they want you in the school. And for me, I see it in my job where, you know, these young children, they they need like a male figure to look up to. And just having someone, you know, I'm very calm and patient and I'm just all about having fun. They look up to me a lot more than I think I realize sometimes. You know, I'll have a conversation with a parent and they're like, oh, well, you know, we were talking about you at the dinner table last night and you're just kind of like, oh, wow, like I I never ever thought that was going to happen, but okay. And just realizing how much of an impact you really do have on those kids. uh, It's definitely important to just be a decent role model and make sure you're guiding them in the right way. Yeah, I think it's very, very important. And like it goes back to what you said, having that male figure in their life. Because there aren't a lot, even in general, there are not a lot of male teachers, period. No. And I mean, if you just look at when we grew up, I could probably, you could probably count on maybe both hands if you go all the way back of how many male teachers that there were. So like for you too, and you're a taller guy, got mm-hmm. a nice beard, got nice hair. So like, you bring this like figure of masculinity too and it's like mm-hmm. nice and there's good energy and like i know we live in a society today where they talk about toxic masculinity and all this shit and it's like we need to at some point acknowledge that we do need masculine energy in this world and it's a balance between the feminine energy too like you said you're very calm you're very patient you're very good with your students so like i think that's super important especially when dealing with specially uh needs mm-hmm. students to give them the time and patience because they're not always going to grasp everything you're telling them right away because they're struggling. And I think you're in the right field and just knowing you personally, I think you're going into the right place. And we'll dive into this a little bit later in, in the podcast, but I don't, I want to take a little bit turn into your high school experience mm. and we played football together yeah. and that's obviously where we grew our relationship. So talk to me a little bit about your experiences playing football and how that impacted you going through high school. So actually, when I was in like middle school, I had all the football dads saying, Zach, when are you going to sign up for football? We want you to play fall ball. Come on, dude. It'll be worth it. You're a big kid. And I was always like kind of that chubby kid. You know, I didn't think I was athletic. I just knew I was big. And I never really 
tried for it. So going into high school, my uh, my dad played football. His brothers all played football. It was just like, oh, you should do it. Your cousins play. So I was like, you know, I'll just I'll give it a try. What's the worst that could happen? I quit. So what? And uh, I went in, and the coach at the time, uh, he was just flabbergasted. Number one, that I'd never played football. He's like, you're massive, and you're a freshman. And number two, he was just. It was really nice because. I was like a clean slate. I didn't have any bad habits with the with football. I didn't have any like in-depth knowledge. So he was able to kind of mold me to what I should do. And, you know, I always just felt if I would put in the time, put in the effort, things will work out good. Um, I know like freshman year, I played left bench for quite a while. And then, you know, I had a chance to step up and I just gave it my best. And the coach was amazed. He was like, you held down that side of the line. You did so well. You were, you know, you're asking questions. You're trying to make sure that you're ready and focused for the, you know, to go. So I ended up keeping that spot. I was starting and, you know, a couple kids I could tell were a little frustrated, but I just kept my head down and kept working. Uh, sophomore year, I went into it and they called me right up to varsity right away. And I'm, I was shit myself to be completely honest. I, you know, I put the time and the effort in the weight room just because my buddies were there. I didn't think it would amount to anything. And then first day of double sessions, they're like, all right, Zach, you're playing right guard, uh, standing next to, you know, three seniors, four seniors. Every other kid on that team right there was a senior or a junior. And I'm this little sophomore. I felt like the smallest fish in the biggest pond. I had no clue what to do. But I just, you know, asked questions, studied for, studied plays, studied what we're doing. And just kept working hard in practice every single day. And, you know, a lot of my uh, life experiences from football, like, you know, um, our coach used to always say, it's not about, you know, like one of the quotes is, it's not about how hard you get hit. It's about how quick you get up, something like that. And I, I really took that to heart for years. Even now that I'm older, uh, I still take that one. You know, you're going to get hit. You're going to fall down. You're going to, you know, be really down and out sometimes, but you got to, kind of just take a deep breath and say, I'm going to get through this and keep trugging along because, you know, some, you just you can't just give up sometimes because when you give up, you're losing even worse. And you don't give up, you never lost. So Yeah, I think a lot of life lessons I've learned in football have carried through yeah. for sure. Like one of my favorite things is like always uh, Coach Crawford would say is like, got to look yourself in the mirror. You have to look yourself in the mirror. What do you want? And like, he always like jokingly too. The same. I was like, not like literally, but like honestly, took that. Like I would do it literally. Like mm. I would literally sometimes just sit down, look myself in the mirror, and be like, "What the fuck do you want out of this?" Absolutely. And I do that even today in my own life, and it translates. Especially like I've gotten more into meditation, and it's like a form of doing that in a sense, but just with breathing and your thoughts. And I've learned. You can't always be so aggressive with everything. You can't always just attack, attack, attack. Because sometimes someone could be waiting for that counter and boom, they gotcha. Mm -hmm. Like especially in the game of football. Like if you're always on the attack, that team might have a defensive blitz strategy where yeah. they get you off guard and you fumble the ball and or some shit like that. So like it's being smart with your moves and being smart like not uh, not only on the football field, but in real life too. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have to like balance some of this stuff and you can't be so aggressive with it all the fucking time. And I just, I really gained a lot of great experiences from football and seeing the way you were too. Cause like I was a senior on that team. Mm -hmm. So like you could tell you were a little terrified. You're stepping into big shoes on the yeah. offensive line with a team that had expectations. And we did, we did fairly well. Like it sucks the way the season ended. We kind of lost our way out yeah. and like 
we never lived up to the potential that we fully had. But it, it, it is what it is, you know? It's like one of those moments in life that you look back and it's like, yeah, it might not have turned out the way we, we wanted, but like, I made a lot of great friendships from that. I made a lot of great uh, relationships that have carried through even today. I mean, here we are doing the podcast, mm-hmm. what, fucking... Like seven years? Yeah, it's like seven, six, years, seven later. years later. Like, shit's crazy. And like, I, might, I haven't seen you in a while too. So like on top yeah. of that, it's like, this is a bond that you have that carries past high school, past college. Like, mm-hmm. that's something that I've always valued about sports in general is the ability to make friends and have ever lasting relationships on top of that mm-hmm. and i think that's super important absolutely and the other thing was vernon always went out of his way to make us feel like a family and i felt like that was important because i felt like i could walk down the halls in the school and i had dudes on the team that i knew had my back i could talk to these people even if i felt like i was having an off day someone come up you know kind of bust your chops push a joke with you just little things that you're like appreciate Especially, like I had said, I'm an only child. So going in and like getting this really close brotherly bond with all these guys, you know, you're going through hell together. And just knowing that they got your back, they've been through it, was so, so important to me. And um, one of the other things that Vernon did was the the speech at the end of the, the like right before the Thanksgiving game, <laughs> when he'd have all the seniors talk. And I remember you were talking and you were saying how all oh, the these four years are going to go by so fast. And and I'm sure every underclassman thought the same thing. Oh, he's talking out his ass. It doesn't go by that fast. And then I blinked and I was given the same speech. And I was just thinking to myself, wow, they told me that same thing. And I'm here saying it to them. And it's just realizing that time does go on with the team. But, the you know, the bond never ends, too. Yeah, so. it's 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 crazy when you, like, I just never, I remember getting those speeches growing up. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, my time will come eventually. Like, I don't got to worry about that right now. But it's like, you blink and boom. Mm-hmm. It's senior year. It's Thanksgiving. You're playing Dighton Hobith. <laughs> it's the last game you're ever going to play, probably in football, unless you're playing, like, in college and stuff. And definitely shout out to Coach Crawford. He definitely allowed a lot of kids to continue their um, football career into college. And mm-hmm. I did see some news that he. I don't think he's returning this next yeah. year. And, like, that's very disappointing. I'm very disappointed in the town of Seekonk if it's not – if it's anything other than football, that's disappointing because he's brought so much to this town. And, mm-hmm. like, especially if they get a new field, that would have never happened without him. No, he was so, a huge advocate for that. Always. It's just disappointing. Like, it sucks because, like, it's it's like a – that's what we grew up with. That was the, our coach. And it's, mm-hmm. like, to see the, the times are changing and the pages turning, it's, like, damn. We're getting old. And, like, yeah. that realization is kind of, like – it's crazy. Yeah, it blows my <laughs> blows my mind a little bit. But I do want to take a little turn. Yeah, sure. Um, as you were going through high school, you get to your senior year. What kind of emotions are going through your head? Are you look when you were looking to college? Like, why did you want to go to college? What was kind of going through your head during this entire process? Because I know it's a very stressful time for many people. Yeah. So I, I kind of was in a weird place going into like thinking about college. I I didn't think that much into it i always just kind of thought you know i I don't mind going to a local school i just you know i know that the degree allows me to unlock a lot more and i you know i toured a few schools and i just i'm kind of a homebody i didn't really want to adventure out too far and um i ended up going to bridgewater and it was one of like three schools i applied to I um I just went into it with like the mindset of it's not the school that's going to dictate what I'm going to do. It's what I put into the school that's going to dictate what I do. And I just felt like when I was at Bridgewater, um, everybody there 
was really cool about, you know, advocating to, you know, further yourself and, you know, try this out, try that out, maybe look at that. But yeah, in, in high school, I just, I thought, oh, everybody goes to college or they go in the military or they just get a trade job. It's one of the big three, like, that's it. But there's a lot more, like the whole experience itself is what's important. No, definitely. I think it's undervalued how many options other than college there are because mm-hmm. people it's kind of shoved down our throats and obviously Seekonk is kind of a college prep school yeah. so like that's not a bad thing because obviously do a very good job but sometimes i wish that they did push the other options like mm-hmm. hey there are other options other than this like you don't have to necessarily go and do this and because uh, i had no fucking clue like yeah. if you told me back then i was gonna do accounting and all like finance and shit i'd be like go figure i ain't doing that shit like no way in hell so like i didn't know what to pick from i had no idea i had no experience in like the fear of not doing something to make you make yourself successful weighs on you especially from the pressures of society oh if you don't go to college you're a failure you're not going to make a lot of money you're not going to be good Mm -hmm. off and like it's just boom boom it's constant pressures and it's scary it's if there's not enough people in your corner sometimes saying hey there are other options other than this. Yeah. A, a gap year is a, is a yeah. great option. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm in my sixth year at school. I'm almost done. I got one class, but I'm not, I'm not rushing it. I'm absorbing as much as I can. Like I, 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 I was like a turning point kind of going from my junior to senior year in college. I just started really focusing on the content of the class and getting the best of it. I, I was doing terrible in one of my classes and I just wasn't putting the effort in. My I, I was in between moving. My parents had just sold the house. I was living at a friend's house for a little while. They were living at my grandmother's. So I was just like, just kind of focusing on getting through. And this professor took the time to email me and she's like, hey, like, I don't think this grade reflects you. You've I see like how you are in class. Like I know it's college and you're probably like, oh, C's get degrees, but take the time a little bit. And I, I, I felt bad. I was like, I feel like I let this person down and I just started really trying in school. And, and, you know, I've had really good grades since then. And just taking the time to not just do it to get a grade, but to do it, to get the experience from it, to do it, to get that whole it like internalizing what you're learning and seeing, okay, well, how does this apply to the real world? And I feel like everything I learn, I try to say, okay, well, what, when's it going to apply to the real world? That's what's important. I can read a book all I want, but you know, how can I apply that book to what I'm doing in life? That's a valuable mindset. I don't think a lot of people have that either to be like, to take what they've learned, read or seen and apply it to their own actual life. Because we have so many I mean, I do it too sometimes. Sometimes I'll have all the information in front of me and I still repeat mm-hmm. bad habits. I mean, shit. Without getting too personal, shit happened about a week or so ago and I reverted some bad toxic habits. I allowed myself to be overcome by emotions and everything that I had worked through in therapy and like coping mechanisms and ways to de-escalate my own like emotions, it felt like I had failed. It felt like I had literally let my therapist down, my family down, like everyone around me down. It's like... That's how I felt. I felt I was falling into a depression. Like I was getting very anxious about stuff. And I sat with my therapist. I talked to people around me. And I'm taking the correct steps to fix that behavior. And it's like one of my things that my therapist said. She was like, regardless of what happens going forward, we still have to take the steps and do everything that you've learned. You have to be patient. Like it's okay to have setbacks. Setbacks are great because they allow you to have major comebacks. And with every little setback that you have in life, 
it allows you to push forward and have greater success going forward because without those failures in life without those those l's you're not going to get anything Mm -hmm. you think about the people who win everything they don't know what losing is they don't understand so when they do get a loss it's devastating Mm -hmm. so the amount of losses you take does not dictate who you are as a person it's how many times you like you like you said earlier how many times you get back up Mm -hmm. just because you get knocked down doesn't mean you have to stay down yeah it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes uh i've never met a strong person with an easy past i feel like the strongest people really get back out there and just keep trying. Even if it smacks them in the face, they say, well, that didn't work. Let's try it this way. Let's see if this works through. And that's kind of where I go at it. I just say, keep going. Don't stop. You know, things will turn out the right way. Just keep pushing for it. Yeah. Just find the little positive things. Everything's got a small positive. Yeah, that's the mindset. I definitely try to, I try my best and like, you can try and try and try and sometimes you still fail and like like I said like I had that same experience this week it's like I tried I tried I tried to meditate I tried to journal I tried to do everything I possibly could and just overcome by emotions and anger and allowed myself to just fall into bad habits and it also comes with self-awareness and accountability at the same time to be like what I did was not okay what I did was wrong I need to get better and actually putting in the effort to get better from the situations cuz you could say yeah, I messed up. I know I did. And that's great. It's the first step. But like, if you don't have any action to fix that, you're fucking up. Change behavior is the apology in every situation. If you don't change your behavior, your repeating habits and repeated habits are just toxic. And we live in a toxic society that honestly encourages some, some of this shit. And it's it's sad. It is sad. And that's why I'm trying to create this platform where we can talk about our experiences, what we've gone through personally, talk about mental health openly, especially two men to sit down and talk about our life experiences and talk about mental health and especially the field that you're in like we mentioned earlier working with special needs students like these conversations are important and they're super fucking valuable and that's where i've kind of walked into this place this Mm -hmm. place is like i want to give a voice to other people i want to help other people talk about these things and i do want to talk a little bit more about why you chose psychology like what was was there any specific reason behind it? Were you always just drawn to it? Like what was the initial push for this? Honestly, the initial push was that I'm just I like to listen. I, I mean I love to talk. Don't get me wrong, but you know when someone's telling me something, I genuinely listen. I give them full attention. And you know, I, and going into psychology, I thought you know you hear psychology, you think oh it's like you know psychiatrist. You're just talking to people, but there's so much more than that. And I've learned that now, but. Going into the psych classes, I started to understand, you know, developments and all that. And then I started to do more child psychology and get into developmental psychologies and how, like, brains function differently when you're at certain ages of your life. And, like, people will change no matter what. It just, it's how your body functions. And I thought that was crazy to me. And especially relating it with the special education side... Uh, it's so important to know how these kids are going to develop, to know what they're thinking, to know what they're understanding and how, you know, uh, an example, when a child is really, really frustrated and they're having the worst day, they're throwing tantrums, they're ruining the room or something, and you just can't seem to break them from that moment. They're trying to tell you something through their behavior. You don't even realize it. Something's off. Think about everything in that situation, you know, 
you know, what's, what's going on at home? What's, what's going on with their sleep? You know, may, are they, have they been eating enough? Are they, is there something different? Is there a change in their life that they don't know? These are things that, you know, a child and even uh, special, edu- uh, special ed children, they, they can't advocate for that. And you kind of, the psych side lets you see it and kind of say, all right, well, that shouldn't be happening. And they're escalating more and more as I try to come up with a solution. So let's look at it from a different approach. Something along those lines. No, that makes a lot of sense. And like, you can honestly see, you see that in some adults yeah. nowadays is like, like that's where I try to approach things too. And like talking to people like yourself and who are, who are in these fields to get a little bit of an insight. So when I talk to people and I listen to people when they've gone through is to try to understand where they've been to why they felt that way. Because when you actually try to put yourself in someone else's shoes it goes a long fucking way in understanding who they are as a person. Absolutely. So it's important to acknowledge those things, in a, especially in adults, but also not to necessarily always allow that to point it out. Because obviously you want to allow special ed children to have more leeway. They're, yeah. they're going through things and you're working through that. But when pointing to adults and things like that, and even other children, like you, you want to know that, but you also want to make sure it goes back to accountability and like working on change behavior, working through those things. Cause like you said, when someone's going through things, they show it through their behaviors, mm-hmm. the way they're walking, the way they're talking. If they're angry, they might be get silent. They may shut down. Like there's always a reaction to every emotion, whether it's external or internal, you kind of have to like make the distinction based on what you're seeing and what they're presenting. So what I've learned from talking to people is just to kind of really understand and sit back and listen, but also pick up on the mannerisms. Look at their their eyes, the way they say things, their body language. Like These things are all indicators of what they're actually feeling, and sometimes they won't say it, but you could tell just by looking at them. Yeah. That's why I like this podcast, because like when we're having the facial expressions, we're looking at each other, like you really get to feel the energy in the room. You get to feel the conversation out. Like, and it's, it's more valuable. And I'm glad that the world's getting back to more in-person stuff because it was fucking missed. Yeah, absolutely. I missed it a lot. It was so tough. I mean, I went from work. I, I was up, I was going to school. I was working seven to eight 30. I'd be flying to Bridgewater. I'd have classes from like 10 to two, get in my car, fly back to work, work until six, and then, you know, go out with the friends, maybe get a drink or two. It was nonstop. And then it just stopped instantly. And that threw me off so bad. I really, I journaled a lot during that time. I spent a lot of time looking into hobbies, looking into, um, you know, different things than just, you know, oh, let's, let's binge Netflix. Like I tried to read a little bit more. Um, I dove a lot more into music uh, I, I definitely tried to uh, do more like around the house in a way. I, I helped my mom out a lot. We, uh, my mom and my dad and myself, we like renovated our yard. We ended up making like a nice garden, and it was like the small things like that. It was able to appreciate a lot more. So, have you ever been to therapy? Uh, no, actually, th- those not. are like a, obviously probably from being a psych major and studying this stuff. But those are a lot of great. Um, habits that you picked up on especially during the pandemic to like hey I don't want to just binge this stuff I don't want to get sucked into this stuff so you looked to healthy coping mechanisms journaling um, like you said getting more into music trying to like clean up the house more like those are good habits yeah my one of my professors is uh, also a clinical psychologist and does do therapy and she was really one of the ones I had her during the pandemic and she was constantly sending out lists of 
activities to stay positive and she almost like dropped all work and just focused on the classes were just are you okay are you coping okay with this i'm always here to talk and listen and that was just important and i definitely felt like being able to see other things and you know even though you're not in therapy it's still fine to try it out uh you know she said journaling and i was like journaling oh, i would never do that i filled the journal so fast i just kept writing and writing and it didn't matter if it didn't make sense or not i just kept doing it and it just it felt nice to visually see and it was no different than talking to someone you're getting it out there you're getting it out of your system and it's so nice to just kind of put it out there and be like oh wow like that that was a big weight right there that i was feeling and now it's out i can look at it and I can say, okay, well, what can I do now? Like, how can I go towards a different direction? Or how can I fix that? Not definitely. definitely. I always say what really helps me is definitely journaling. journaling but it's, I have good friends for this where I, I, if I go through something kind of traumatic, I need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I just need to talk about it. I need to talk about it. I need to talk about it. The more I talk about it, the more I'm getting it out of me. Because for me, I've learned when I internalize it, when I sit with it so much, and I keep it in, and I lock it in, it's damaging me, it's hurting me, because yeah. eventually, at some point, I might come across a different situation, and I might project that that pain onto someone else, and that's not fair to that person, so I'm big on healing emotionally, and mentally, and spiritually, so like, and I'm big with sitting with it, like, literally last week, yeah, last Friday, I'll be honest, I didn't, I, like, after the week that I had, I was emotional, like, I just sat down after work, went and meditated for an hour, came back in didn't turn the tv on didn't do nothing i just cried man i just let it all fucking out and it felt so goddamn good sometimes you need it yeah it's it's (laughs) it's healthy for any of the fellows that listen men can cry too oh yeah and especially i think i'm pretty sure this week you guys won't hear it till next week but this is men's mental health week so like talking about these things is so fucking valuable you can't talk about it enough because society says they care but they don't necessarily fully care and yeah. accept it as maybe with other people or other genders and things like that. And it's it's frustrating because most, I think it's three to, men are three to four times more likely to commit suicide versus women. And that's fucking scary that mm-hmm. there's so many men out there who are struggling mentally and emotionally that don't know how to release that pain and opt to take their own life. And it's it's very sad and it's scary that that, is happening at the frequency that it is, especially during the pandemic. The numbers mm-hmm. shot fucking up, yeah. so it's very scary. It is, no, definitely. Um, I just think being an advocate to say, like, you know, it's okay to cry, it's okay to feel the way you feel. Um, I know I sound like a little kid, but one of my inspirations is like Mr. Rogers, and he always talked. I got Mr. Rogers socks on right now, but he always talked about, you know, those are your feelings. And you are totally entitled to feel that way, no matter how egregious you may think that feeling is. It's it's your life, it's your body, it's your emotions, and you are always entitled to feel that way. And don't let other people tell you otherwise. Sometimes you feel like you have to put on a face, I guess, to go out or put on a face to say, you know, I got a lot on me, but I'm going to try to do this. Like, it's okay to say, listen, I'm having a really tough time. I'm just not with it. I need to do this for myself. And not a lot of people do that or they'll or not a lot of people will voice out and say this is bothering me what you're doing like this situation makes me uncomfortable i don't want to be a part of that it's been eating me up inside nobody 
really does that. Nobody really kind of voices how they're truly feeling. Yeah. And, and then words get lost in translation and it just, it gets all wonky and nobody likes that. Yeah. So, I'm, I've definitely tried to encourage that with people. I mean, my motto, and I probably haven't said it enough on the podcast, feel your feelings. I stick by that. And when I say feel your feelings, feel them, process them, acknowledge them, but don't necessarily like use them as a crutch to hurt other people or hurt yourself. Like You need to acknowledge what you're feeling and allow yourself to feel what you're feeling because if you just keep pushing away, like I said earlier, if you keep pushing and pushing and pushing, eventually you're going to explode. And I got honest with myself this week too. Like when I, I was doing monthly with my therapist because I thought I was doing really well. I was progressing and I had a crazy setback. And I was open enough to be like, I'm really struggling. I had a really bad week and I had some bad toxic repeated habits come back up into my life and I want to address this. And like my therapist, she gave me mad credit. It was like, you are very self-aware and willing to work on this, which is a good step. Mm -hmm. Like this is very good. And not a lot of people are willing to call themselves on their own bullshit. Like, and I try to be the first one to do it when I do some stupid shit. Like Mike, because we all do stupid shit. Like, we're human beings. We're going to fuck up in aspects. Oh, God, yeah. So, to just be willing to be like, yep, yeah, that was fucking stupid. But, you know, I want to get better with this. And I want to actually move forward and get better with this. So, I want to transition a little bit. Talk to me about the hobbies that you were kind of picking up. At, like during COVID and stuff and how COVID kind of impacted you during school and yeah. this whole aspect. So yeah, one of the things I dove like headfirst into was music. Um, I was like super, super, I always like, I, I picked up the guitar in high school. I was in band, um, played saxophone for years and I was always like that classical, oh, if I'm not playing like a orchestra song, I'm not playing. And I, I one of my buddies let me borrow his guitar and I played it enough and I kind of stopped for a while, but during COVID, I, I was just looking for like little outlets to just kind of do something. So uh, I just started really diving into guitar, but not only did it allow me to get more with the guitar, but it opened up a lot of paths looking at uh, different artists that were unheard of, that played to something unique that maybe I liked. I listen to very, very uh, atypical music. Uh, I'm listening to like bluegrass um ozark country style stuff so you know it's a unique music sense but i really love the storytelling in it mostly that's what caught my eye the the storytelling of a song anybody can write a song that sounds good but those songs where you're listening and the the lyrics just kind of grasp you and you can relate to it that's what i really like and that's what i always found and you know, the style of guitar I play is a little more intricate, but it just, the story is always go with it. And it's just really cool to hear some of these stories, especially like the music I listen to. There's covers of songs from 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and, you know, same problems that we had. And you're just like, wow, you know, time is a, cir- is a circle. It goes around. You, it's really interesting. So yeah, life is, life always comes full circle. <laughs> and like, especially when you, you listen to different music from different ge- like generations or read books like a lot of the time they're going through a lot of the same stuff maybe to like different extents obviously different generations go through different things but the base problem is sometimes always right there and it's it's always good to look at that analyze that and like kind of take it in and i really what caught my eye too with the whole you getting into music that's the reason why i reached out because mm. you weren't like we talked a little bit before off the podcast like 
I didn't see you as a musician all the time. Like you weren't always expressing with that. And like the fact that when I saw you doing that, to me, it was like, he's clearly super passionate about that. That's something he really enjoys doing. And like, when I see someone doing something they really enjoy, I'm like, I got to get them on the podcast. I got to get them talking about it because you can hear when someone's really passionate about something because they talk about it differently. Yeah. Like they light up when I talk to people on my podcast, I light up differently. Like the shit gets me happy in a different way. And like, like I talk to you, like there's sometimes where I have moments where I don't feel so joyful about the podcast. I feel like it's a job sometimes. That's when you pull back. That's when you take, take time for yourself. You do all the things that you learn, take all those good coping mechanisms and you give back to yourself. Cause we don't do that enough as people. Mm-hmm. So like, for you to be like, hey, I want to take more time to play the guitar, to learn music. I think that's super fucking cool and valuable. Yeah, it, it got to the point. I just was playing so much and playing so much. It's like an escape now. One of my favorite things to do, you know, you have a long day and you just, you're whooped. You still have three more days of the week. You, I just go home. I sit down. I close my eyes and I just play the guitar. I, I could care less what it sounds like. It could sound just like a bunch of mumbo jumbo, but it's just satisfying to me I, I can just stop I get kind of lost in that moment I'm just letting whatever sounds come out come out and it's just relaxing to me I always just like to have that outlet just to stop you know if you're in a really intense mood you can play really intense it goes with what you're doing if you're in a really somber mood you can stop you can play something somber it fits it just kind of encapsulates how you're feeling just with music. I feel like music's kind of universal language. Like, you can play some happy chords anywhere in the world. It's not like a language. Like somebody hears that and they're like, oh, that's kind of a happy sound. And, or, like, that's a really sad sound. And everybody knows with music. And it just, I really enjoy the way I approach music, at least. No, it shows in the way you express it, too. Like, like I said, like, the way you talk about music, you light up a little bit differently. And it's cool to see that. And, Shit, I wish I could fucking play. Like, I, I mean, it's obviously something you could learn, but like, it's tough to learn. Like, it, yeah. I, I can only imagine how much time and effort you've put into this. Like, it was just patience. Mm. You know, I, I'd try to learn a song and I'd mess up the same three parts over, 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 and over again. And I just stop for a day, come back. I got the little part a little bit better. Just wait. You know, things develop over time, and I just was very patient. And then one day. I was playing, and my dad had made a comment. He was like, dude, you're so fucking like, good at this. When does this happen? And I just kind of stopped, and I was like, wow, I really have come a long way with this just because I enjoy it. It was really interesting to me. I didn't realize how much I progressed with music until people started pointing it out. I just felt like I was kind of in the same spot. I'm like that average guy just kind of taught himself guitar. Oh, here's Wonderwall, but no. like, It's, it's different, I guess. No, and I definitely encourage keep posting that shit, man. Like, yeah. I, I look forward to it. I watch it. Like, I pay attention. Like, because like I said, anytime someone puts themselves out there, I want to reach out and give some type of credit or just say something, give positive feedback, because I know how hard it is to do that. Mm-hmm. To get the courage to be like, especially in art form, like, to express that, to show that. Because everyone's a fucking goddamn critic these days. <laughs> like, they might not have a goddamn clue on how to do what you do, but they have... They will damn sure let you know if it's not good enough. Yeah, right. All and like, the time. it's so annoying because like I used to deal with that early on with the podcast. Is someone would be like, "Oh, you should do it this way, or do it that way, or you should maybe talk less." And like, I agreed to that one. I'm not gonna lie, but you just learn 
to not give a fuck yeah. about what anyone else thinks but you. Yeah. And you have to be honest with yourself, though. You can't be so egotistical and be like, oh, I'm the best. Like, I don't need anything. Like, sometimes criticism is good. You mm-hmm. have to acknowledge it as a person, but don't take every little thing that someone says and, like, change you. Because mm-hmm. when you start changing yourself because of other people, you're going to hate yourself. Yeah. Because that's not changes. The change isn't for you anymore. Yeah. If you're changing for yourself... You're on the right path. Yeah. And that goes with any aspect of life. Is you're, If you're working on yourself and doing things for you, you're making great progress. And, like, I've been trying to stick by that, especially everything that I've been going through this past year or so. And, like, I even got clarity recently. We just talked about that off the mm-hmm. podcast. Like, when you're patient with things and you allow things to just naturally happen, the universe will kind of send you a sign or whatever you believe in will send you a sign and be like... It's okay. You can move forward with this. You maybe get the apology you want or something like that. Yeah. Like everything in due time will show itself to be what it is. Yeah. And it comes back to patience. It's the one thing I talk about with my therapist all the fucking time is I lack patience. It's hard to be patient. It is so hard to sit back and just say, you know what? Like I got to let this just run its course. It it took me a while to get like that, but I just started to kind of say you know, it's out of my control or something that's not in my control. If I can't control that, then I shouldn't worry about it as much. It's out of my hands. It's out of what I'm able to do. So I need to focus on what I can do. That's that's solid as advice. And I, I try my best too to keep that as like, you can only control what you can control. Mm-hmm. Everyone's their own person. Every situation is the situation it is. You can't control a situation all the time. But what you can control is how you react to those situations how you react to those people so once you put yourself in that mindset it does get easier and like you said it's you got to work through it you got to work through it and it just takes time it really does to get better with patience and especially in a time like now where everything is so just like at the snap of your fingers like you get it right away so it struggles um let's take a turn into your career basically sure and kind of some of the experiences that you've gained and because obviously we talked about the pandemic just kind of abruptly ended like with your job and everything and you were kind of forced to start really looking into these this career so how did you kind of get into the you don't have to say the company or anything but like yeah. how, how did you get to where you are so um i mean i've always been involved with special education my mom is a special ed teacher i've always done you know the special olympics volunteering been to her classroom just been involved with it and i went to college and uh i started working for my first job and i I had put on my resume, you know, I had experience with special ed children. So second week of the new job, they were like, here, you're with a special ed group. And now this was my first big experience doing this. And I was so nervous. And by the second week, I absolutely loved working with those kids. They just, the, the way they looked at life and the way they looked at situations was so unique to me. And I just, sometimes I wish I could slow it down and look at it like that because it's, I would overcomplicate things. So I, you know, I worked there for five years, um, moved my way up and just got really involved. But, you know, I just wasn't happy where I was recently at the place. I felt like I had a lot more to bring for them and they knew I did. But they kind of had me on a leash. Like they, they wouldn't give me the extra hours. They wouldn't give me that opportunity to, you know, go and do this as much as they were in the past. So I had, um, I reached out and I applied to a couple places. And this company, um, 
you know, I had a couple interviews with them and just when they were talking about what they perceived was so interesting to me. They, they were very friendly, welcoming, kind, and just supportive. And in my old job, it was, it was similar to like that, but I felt like there was a lot of stuff that it was swept under the carpet. They just, it felt like they addressed everything directly. One of the big things actually that I never expected was they have like telehealth services through the company where you can speak to people that were completely free. I was like, that is so important. They, um, and they just explained how their days kind of went and what they were trying to do with these uh, children. And I felt like it was just a cool experience in general to have, but I just really enjoy working with the special education population. They, uh, they make me laugh. They're just, they're a great group of kids always. And they just, uh, they're just unique. They're so unique in their own ways. And I love it. I just love working with them. Yeah. You could tell that you really enjoy doing that too. Mm -hmm. And it's like a good space. And does it, does it mean something to you that you're also like, you're helping people too? Is that something that really like, kind of like inspires you a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I stop and think and I'm like, you know, when you have a child that is born with some sort of special needs, you, you don't ask for that. And I'm choosing to work with that. And, and it's really, it's interesting to me because you see the parents that worry and they're like, well, my child can't do this. My child can't do that. My child won't be able to and I look at it as more of yeah but look at what they can do they're able to do this they're learning about this they're they're going to be able to do this and it's in getting them to see that too is really really interesting to me and just you know being that person who's like I'm here for you and I'm even more here for your child and that's what I want them to understand just like you know I'm here because I want your child to be as successful as possible, and I'm going to do everything I can to get them there. I think that's really powerful, and that's the right mindset you want to have while entering in that career space. You want to have that mindset where you're trying to help people and do everything you can to give back. Mm -hmm. And it's probably super rewarding, like you said. Like They say, oh, we talked about you at dinner and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It's probably mad rewarding to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. And and even first thing in the morning, you know, I, I you wake up, you're tired, you get into work, and you're like, I just got to get through the day. And then, I, you know, I see the kids and I just can't help but smile because they're just always having a good time. They're always smiling. They're always happy. They just want to be there. They want to have fun. And like, I am the fun. I have to bring the fun every day. So if I'm not bringing the fun, you know, their whole day is going to be not that great. So I just, I know that I have to be on my A-game every day there just so that that child has the best time. And I think that's important to me. Yeah. Obviously, I could tell it's changed your mindset, but kind of how has it changed your mindset? Like the way you look at things is definitely different than what you did probably before entering into this career space. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I look at everything so differently. Um, I'm a huge person for advocacy just in general. Um, you know, understanding that Sometimes you can't get things across. Sometimes you can't say things. How can I say it in a way that someone else would understand? And, and you know, the patient side of it. There are times where you have to be so patient. Uh, one of the biggest sayings I say all the time, me and my mom, is you have to pick your battles. There are going to be situations where someone or the child will just not want to do it. And you can't put your foot down. And you have to understand, like, that's what they they don't want to do it. And you can't force them. They're their own person. 
You have to wait it out and have to say, all right, well, we can get the small victories. All right, you don't want to do the worksheet. Can you get two or three problems done? You know what? It, it's not all of it, but it's some of it. It's, it's the small things and just taking those small steps. I also look at a lot, you know, small steps going along are more important than looking at that giant big picture. It's always great to have that great big picture, but stop and think about the small steps on your way to get there because that's like the whole part of it. No, definitely. It's those small steps are everything. Anything that you do is those small victories. Like you just said, like you need to have that approach in anything you do, whether it's the music, you get in like that one chord and you're messing up. You get that right now. Mm -hmm. You build off that or I'm doing, I'm starting this podcast. I get the equipment. First step. I start testing the mics. Second step. Like it doesn't, like I said, Rome wasn't built in one day. Mm -hmm. You have to take the slow progression. Like in my sense, Joe Rogan wasn't Joe Rogan from day one. Mm -hmm. He had to continually put out content that he legitimately enjoyed every single day. And then sometimes the way the world works, you get your chance and you go up like that. And as long as you're doing it to have fun and you're doing it because you enjoy doing it and you enjoy helping people, like you're winning. Like that's how I look at anything in life. If you're doing things out of the genuine kindness of your heart to help other people, to inspire other people, to put a good message out there with whatever you do, whether it's music, podcasting, teaching, um, literally anything. If you're doing it with kindness and love and compassion, you're winning because the way the world is right now, we don't have enough of that. And I think we're slowly progressing to maybe t- making that change again. But there's so much, th- so many forces pulling on each other. So, like you said, only you can control what you can con- control. So if you're putting out good energy, you're doing your part. Mm-hmm. And like I say, it's good energy is contagious. So you start putting out good energy to people, and it starts spreading like wildfire. And like that's why I love doing this podcast and like connecting with so many great people like yourself. It's like it's another person that I'm allowing you to come on to share your story to what you've gone through because someone might hear this and be like. I relate to what you're saying. I get that. Like I, I'm in that field too. I understand. And that what that's what it's about. It's giving a voice to people who might not necessarily thought, I don't really do anything crazy. I don't have this crazy life story. It's like, nah, we all have something to mm-hmm. offer. That's the point. And it's not about like being a celebrity or being famous or having clout on the internet. It's like, no, you could be typical everyday people and having a crazy life. You could just share your story and you can impact someone. That's what I'm that's what the basis of this platform is. And it wasn't always that. I had to like figure out my path and figure out what works for me and how things work for me and not be so fucking uptight about shit. Just fucking let shit be what it is. I think that's like great advice for anybody is to sometimes you just gotta let shit be. Mm-hmm. Talking about mental health in in the career that you're in and working with psychology, have you learned things that help you better work with your mental health, I know you mentioned things like you've started to do the journaling and stuff like that. Have you ever tried meditation? I don't know if you mentioned meditation. No, at all. I, I, I've not tried meditation. I've done um, the journaling. I've done some deep breathing stuff. Um, I mean, I guess you could say I've meditated. That's kind of meditating. I, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I've taken the time to kind of stop and just take in what's around me and not have anything around. Just take the moment for myself. I think that's important. Um, but definitely the field I'm in, along with that... Um, both the psychology side and the special ed side, it, it caused me to stop and think about a lot of what what am I bringing to the table? What's getting brought to me? And like, how am I going to make the best of that? Um, you know, with the mental health, I've, I've had, uh, you know, my cousin battled with mental health and, uh, you know, he had bipolar disorder and 
he did commit suicide and you know it was really tough at the time because he did speak about it and all that but he just fought with it and I would I talked to my my parents about it and they just they couldn't understand and I always and you know learning from the psychology stuff is just that you know sometimes you just feel that way and no matter how much people say oh well why don't you it, it doesn't just work that easy like you have to stop and you have to say you know they're feeling that way I have to validate that I respect that you are feeling that way. I am here to listen that you're feeling that way. And I'm here to help you if you want it. But I respect if you don't want it. And just just listening and just being there. Yeah, sometimes so. the best thing you could do is just listen. Not give advice. That's something I've learned with dealing with friends or family or whatever. Is sometimes just saying, like, do you want me to listen or do you want advice? Mm-hmm. And cause some people... Like it, it's, sometimes my pet peeve is when people give advice when you didn't really want advice. Mm-hmm. So now I try to clarify that. It's like, well, do you want me to listen or do you want me to actually give advice? Because sometimes all you need is just someone just to listen to your bullshit. Yeah. You might just say a bunch of fucking nonsense because you're just rambling. And it goes back to just venting out or journaling everything that's in your head and just getting it out there. Sometimes you just need to just say, talk your shit, let it out, then move on. So when you're dealing with people in you're not sure necessarily what you need to do, whether it's listen or give advice. It doesn't hurt to just say that, just to ask, like, do you want me to listen? Do you want advice? And I think that's a a good tool for anybody, especially Mm -hmm. people who struggle to communicate because communication is a dying art. And so that's something I had to learn. Like I wasn't the best communicator. I didn't know how to vocalize myself or my emotions or my opinions until I started listening to podcasts doing a podcast i've learned how to interview people how to ask questions how to ask questions without asking questions to allow conversation to be a conversation and like not make it sound so scripted up and down and i think i've gotten pretty damn good at it and like clearly i've put enough work where i'm consistently putting out content and people are consuming and it's it's fucking dope to even get to to this place i do want to say though we are wrapping up on the end of the podcast um, there is a question that I will ask that's tied to passions, but is there anything that you wanted to say that you didn't say during the podcast that's not tied to passions? No, I think I'm good. All right, cool, cool. So, Zach, the last question I will ask is, what would your advice be to someone who wanted to pursue their passion? Hmm. Well, I find that a passion is just something that makes you happy to like your absolute core if you something as simple as if you truly love maybe digging holes if that makes you feel that way then go for it i i think that too many people watch opportunities and passions fall through their fingertips because they don't take the time to say i'm gonna take that chance i'm gonna go for it and that's that's a lot of it i've watched a few opportunities fall right through my fingertips you know stuff that i was passionate about and i looked back a month later and said i'm a freaking idiot why would i do that and it's just about knowing when to seize that opportunity for your passion i mean if you're truly passionate about something you will do almost anything for it and if you're willing to give up or give that much then you truly should be doing it. I think that's fantastic ass advice, man. And I just want to say I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and rescheduling with me and jumping through the hoops. And I just want to say thank you, man, for coming on Absolutely. the podcast. Absolutely. I'm so happy you have me on. Um, this has been an absolutely awesome experience. And uh, I've been looking forward to it for a little while now since you'd mentioned it. Sorry about rescheduling, but, you know, I'm glad I still made it 
Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And I'll tag you and everything. And if anyone needs to get in contact with you or wants to get in contact with you, I'll make that happen. So to you guys, if you guys like the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with your grandma. Check it out, thecarolconnection.simplecast.com. Also available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. So until next time, guys. Bye.